Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. It is episode 125. Make sure you guys go rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We would love it if you would leave us a review. Think of it as a little Thanksgiving gift to me and Mac. We would really appreciate it. <laughs> and we should mention this, Mac. Next week is Thanksgiving, but uh, that doesn't mean we're taking the week off because... No, we don't do that. And it's one of the biggest weeks in college football with all these rivalry games. So we will have Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes. Wednesday, keep an eye out. I think I'll just I'll tease it by this, Mac. Clemson fans, keep an eye out. Hello, Mac. How are you? <laughs> What's up, KG? Well, listen, uh, a couple of things to address there. Number one, um, what else would you want to do after you've stuffed your face with Thanksgiving thirds? Then listen Birds. to, you know, Gramlick and MacLean sitting on your couch, Perfect. falling asleep, listening to our soothing voices mm. as you drift off to La La Land. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Wouldn't that be perfect? I think it would be great, Matt. I love how you said thirds. That yeah. is yeah. that is fascinating. Listen, there, if there's one day in the entire calendar year that it is more than appropriate, actually frowned upon if you do not, have at least three servings of something, it's Thanksgiving. And so, guys, let's go all out. Let's throw the belts away. Let's unbutton our pants and let's go ham and eat turkey. You know what I'm saying? You like that? you like, come on. <laughs> oh, my God. Mac is on one today. Mac is on one. Uh, this may be sacrilegious, but I actually prefer ham. Okay. Uh, I'm hitting the hang-up button right now, guys. Kelly's going to do the rest of this episode alone. Have a great day. Let's go ham wow. and eat ham. I can't believe that. Let's dive into that a little bit. Um, were you like punished as a child a ton or scarred? I, I don't want to well, offend your parents because I know they're very avid listeners of this. I know they did a great <laughs> job raising you, but I mean, they messed up on this one. What happened? Here's the thing. I think recently as a family, we have improved our, our turkey selection at Thanksgiving and have gone outside of the home to get a turkey, you know, don't, you don't do it all inside. My, um, my mother is a high powered businesswoman. No one has ever said she's the most amazing cook, but she actually is good at some, has, <laughs> at certain things. Okay. But that's where I get it. That's where I get it. That's why when I made that seaside chili, I was shocked how good it was. I didn't know I was capable. So point is sometimes the turkey has been a little dry at times. Oh. And I know, I know the ham is never dry. So that's why I go ham. Okay. Well, here I'm going to change your life here now. Traeger is no longer a sponsor of this podcast, but... They still sponsor um, Mac's whole life, they, they still are a part of my life, near and dear. If you cook a turkey on a Traeger, Ooh. it will be the juiciest bird you've ever seen in your life. So I'm just saying, KG, wherever, whatever y'all need, whatever help you need, I might be able to make a turkey for y'all, ship it to you. It'll still be nice and juicy. Whatever you want. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> Let me know, Mac. Ship that to Texas. That's right. And uh, and we'll get on it. We have, we'll talk, we can do a little more Thanksgiving chatter next week. You best believe it. I feel it. like we will have to ask our guest next week about his preferred Thanksgiving meals and such. But we have some huge games 
this weekend. We have two games that could decide each division. We could be talking on Monday knowing our ACC championship game or not. And knowing the chaos in the ACC, perhaps we won't. I I really don't know. Before we get into the big three breakdown, Mac, let me ask you this question. It may be a little leading. Do you feel like on Monday's episode, we will have our ACC championship? Nope. I don't think we will. All I don't right. Think we will. Guys, we, we have a playoff on both sides this Saturday. I mean, people, this is what you want. People have been craving this and saying, oh, the ACC, we always yeah. know. Oh, the SEC. We, we have a playoff this weekend in the ACC of who gets to go to Charlotte, who gets to play for this. And now, certainly, this isn't the end all be all for certain teams, but it is the way to stay in the race. And we'll dive into that. Uh, kind of midway point here in our big three breakdown. Definitely, definitely. And let me just add this too. We're teasing everything. Um, we have some big news coming up as a pod, and you will know more about that in the coming weeks, but stay tuned. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be massive, guys. It's going to blow your mind. <laughs> so vague. Okay, our big three breakdown, Mac. Let's start with what I believe may be um, the most exciting game in the ACC to date. Now, I think Wake NC State was probably, it, that takes the cake right now. We'll see if Wake and Clemson live up to the hype, but number 10 Wake Forest travels to Death Valley to take on Clemson, and you've got a ranked Wake and an unranked Clemson, as we all predicted, 12 noon on ESPN. Clemson is, I believe now, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Eric McLean, I believe the Just number. Just as we all predicted, a top-ten yeah. team. A top 10 team. The number is uh, going up. It's also Coach Sweeney's birthday. So that's an interesting factor here. And I think this is the thing that Clemson fans um, are probably thinking about. Because, of course, you're still in the hunt for the Atlantic. If you win this, you need other things to happen. But Clemson has won 33 straight home games in a row. The last loss was the Pittsburgh game in 2016. That is it, and that's the longest streak in the country in, in all of college football, regardless of division. So that's at stake, too. I mean, Matt, could there be more at stake? This has to be the Wake-Clemson game with the most at stake ever. Ever. <laughs> ever. I, I mean, it, it's nuts to look at it. And you know what is kind of ironic is I was remembering back, I was reminiscing on my, uh, my long, long career and thinking back to 2011 and – when we were playing Wake Forest that year, it was to clinch. And we had, I, I think, a game-winning or game-sealing field goal that year um, back in 2011. So it was, it was a high-stakes game. But now this one uh, is to keep Clemson's hopes alive, to keep a 33-game win streak alive. And, and I don't know. I don't know if there's been a game that's meant more in recent history, at least these last couple of years, you know, in Death Valley in regards to the future and, and what this team can do for Clemson this year. And same for Wake Forest. So let's start on the Wake side. I think really when you look at these guys, the most important thing is to be who you are, it is to fly around on offense and really just understand that going into this game, going against this elite Clemson defense, the margin of error is very thin, KG. And I think that These players, these Wake players should use that as motivation, as understanding that you have to play your best. Because I remember back in 2015 when we were playing the Natty against Alabama, that was the best team I'd ever played. That was the best D-line I'd ever played. And I knew if I took a misstep, 
if I put my hands in the wrong spot, if I miss with my hands, I was going to get killed. And that made me play so much better. That was the best game of my career just because the margin of error was so thin. So I hope that Wake Forest can channel that and use that as energy to just say, we've got to be on our our A game. We cannot make a mistake. Be confident in your playmakers. Be confident in your reads and your protection. And I think this offense, I mean, we, we have not seen anybody slow it down. You should be the team that's coming in there, beating your chest, saying we're the number 10 team in the country. Do not look at that tiger paw and be afraid. Do not be at that tiger paw and say, oh my gosh, we lost this game before we can even play. So it's going to be really interesting to see Wake's mindset because, Kelly, I think we are going to find that out, play one from the line of scrimmage. I think we are too. And you bring up the lines of scrimmage. That's been the way that Clemson has been able to dominate Wake defensively. Wake has averaged just 11.3 points per game against Clemson under Clawson, 19 total points in the last three meetings. Wake's offense has looked terrible the last three times they've played Clemson, and a lot of it is because of the the way that, that Wake plays offense with that mesh point. The interior D-line, if they blow it up, if Clemson blows it up, then it's very tough to do anything to get into your offense. Now, I would say overall, the D-line has, um, the interior defensive line has been perhaps a little better in the last couple of years than this year, especially with Brzee out, which is another injury that people are probably forgetting about, that Clemson doesn't have Brian Brzee. So you have Tyler Davis, you have Rook Arororo, and some other backup guys there. Do you think this Clemson D-line can be as effective against Wake similar to the past, or is there a drop-off? You know what, KG? I'm actually, I'm going to disagree with you. Because I think when you look two years ago, Clemson ran a, a 3-3-5. So they only had three guys. You look at last year, all those guys were babies. They were all freshmen. And I know Brian's out. If Brian was in, I don't think there's any question that it's absolute dominance. But Ruka Rororo and Trey Williams have been playing so, so good. And, and I think that those guys are older. They're getting confident in their abilities and who they are. So this is the second best defensive line that Clemson has had since you know, really 2018, when you look at the consistency from each and every position, the defensive ends are superstars. So I, I think absolutely yes. I think they are going to make this a problem for Wake Forest just because of recreating that line of scrimmage, getting pressure, moving the the, the line backwards essentially with those big strong bodies that, that I just mentioned. So I, I think that that's the first thing. The second thing defensively that you have to do is – play aggressive man-to-man, really press on the outside and be physical, throw off the timing of that RPO. And then you you have to kind of pick and choose, okay, when are we going to have our linebackers kind of sit in that window of where the slant or the the bender route might be, or when do we, when do we send them? When do we pressure them? So it, it's going to be a fascinating chess match uh, between Coach Clawson and the Wake Forest offense and Coach Venables and this Clemson defense. I would add this with Wake. I think I, I, I hear you on there's not there hasn't been much of a drop off on the D-line. You don't have the big names necessarily, especially on the interior because Brzee is hurt. You don't have like Christian Wilkins or whatever. But these guys are still playing really well. And then, of course, the edge guys, Miles Murphy and Xavier Thomas, have looked really good. But I would also argue that this is the best Wake offense that Clemson has seen probably ever. And Sam Hartman is in his third year. He's obviously very confident in what he's doing. So that's why this game is going to be so fun because Clemson's defense still has every capability of slowing down Wake, at least what we've seen from the past. But 
this is a better Wake offense. How much of a difference does that make? Yeah, well, I think it's going to be, I mean, get your popcorn ready. This, you're going to see NFL matchups all across this this you know field when Wake Forest is on offense, Clemson's on, Clemson's on defense. You look at Roberson versus Mario Goodrich. You you look at uh, A.T. Perry versus Andrew Booth. You, you look at Taylor Marin, you know, versus any other slot guy that's going to be in there. A uh, Nolan Turner. Uh, uh, these different guys that are going to be matched up. This is going to be a big time challenge, and it's it's going to be fireworks. I cannot wait to see it. And so, really, kind of my last key for the Clemson defense is not only do these cornerbacks uh, and DBs have to be physical. But you have to win these one-on-one matchups. I mean, there are plenty of times where Sam Hartman trusts these guys, and he should because it's been proven time and time again, and he'll just throw it up there and say, my guy is bigger, faster, stronger, and better than your DB, and he's going to make this play. Will that be the case? I mean, you have some absolute star power on both sides of the ball when these two different units are out there. You do. And that's what's so fun. You have the Wake offense versus the Clemson defense, strength on strength. And then on the other side, we have uh, weakness versus weakness with (laughs) Clemson's offense and Wake's defense. We know Wake's defense has struggled at times, specifically against the run. Clemson's offense has really struggled. They have the worst offense in the ACC, which is still incredibly odd to say. DJ's has a, he has a sprained PCL. This worries me. This worries me because against UConn, I know it was UConn, but he, and I know they didn't want to run him against UConn, but he looked completely immobile. And so I'm wondering how mobile he's actually going to be against Wake. And we're going to get to a point perhaps where Wake doesn't even have to respect that game, that part of the game at all. But you will have Will Shipley. You rested him against UConn. Shipley has been playing out of his mind. Because of Wake's defense and run defense specifically, do you feel like this is going to be a big Will Shipley, Kobe Pace, Phil Maffa game? I think it could be. I mean, I think that's another very intriguing piece of this game is is how do you know Coach Elliott, Coach Sweeney want to attack this defense? I mean, do do they run the ball and really kind of you know go against other tendencies that they've had all year and and get that thing established um, and, and really just run them into the ground, uh, which I think they have the the ability to do so. Or even with the beat up O line, I think that those running backs are just that special. I know everybody was complaining, everybody was you know upset about. You know, UConn only averaging whatever it was, three, two, one yards per rush. But you you, you had walk-ons in. I mean, you you had guys that were will never play in a in a given you know offense that's healthy. Um, and you you chose to rest guys. So if if Will Shipley plays in that UConn game, I guarantee your average is not two yards of rush. Like let's just be let's right, be real right. about that. Um, so so I think you certainly can. And when you look at Wake Forest, I mean, it's not like they have a bunch of werewolves. On the defensive line now, they have a couple of really key defensive tackles, but on the edge, I mean, a- a- average at best, and certainly those guys can c- continue to grow and get better. But it- it's not Boogie Basham out there right now. So when you- when you look at that, I think that they can either take that approach or continue to build on what you've been doing with the Collins brothers. Uh, they are not related, but I like to call them that. <laughs> Dakari and Bo, and then the tight ends in the passing game have been very efficient as of late. So. But you got to target them. That's true. You do have to throw it to them. <laughs> that's been, I think that's that's been lacking. And you have Justin Ross. We got to mention Justin Ross is out for the season. He's having surgery. He's going to turn pro. So, and he's been playing hurt all year. So you don't have Justin Ross. You've had a lot of injuries if you're Clemson at the wide receiver position as well. I think the the wide receiver group is advantage Wake. No question. I would say, oh yeah, no question. I think Wake has the best wide receiver group in the ACC. 
Running back, it depends. I don't know if Christian Beal Smith is going to play. I guess we'll see right. on that one. Um, but they've had some other guys really step up. I would probably give the edge to Clemson. But at QB, I'd give the edge to Wake. And so it's, it's going to be really interesting. I'm so excited for this game. I really think anything could happen. I think, I'm not sure Clemson could blow out Wake just because they haven't blown out anyone this year in the FBS. But I think Wake could blow out Clemson. I think it could be close. I think Clemson's defense could just show up and, and Clemson wins in a very low-scoring game. But I think it could go a lot of different ways. I do too. I do too. I'm, I'm really excited to watch this. I, I mean, we talked about the importance. We talked about how much this game matters. And it's senior day. I mean, a lot of these guys for Clemson, especially on the defensive side of the ball, running out there for the very last time. And, and you, you just think of how inspired that can make you. A ton of emotion uh, you know, surrounding all of that. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting. It'll, it'll be a great day regardless and, and a great football game. So really when I'm looking at it, Kelly, and I, I'm breaking down the keys, I'm looking at what is going to have to happen for each team to win the game. For Clemson, it's dominate the line of scrimmage on defense. And, and I think they are more than capable of doing that. This is probably Wake Forest's best offensive line as well. A lot of the reasons why they you know, are, are able to do the things that they have this season. But I just give the edge to Clemson in more situations than not just because of scheme players and, and what they're able to do and then for Wake Forest do not turn the ball over do not give this offense that cannot move the ball effectively a short field position or even points we've seen Sam throw five interceptions in the last two games they've been able to to recover and right be in games uh it, it did cause a loss to Carolina and then somehow got the win against NC State but I just feel if you give Clemson extra opportunities you're going to pay for it. Turnover margin is my key for this game. Wake is the best team in the ACC in terms of turnover margin. Clemson's about middle of the pack. They're even. And it's just weird because this year, Clemson's turnovers, you can't just have a normal basic turnover. It feels like every one of Clemson's turnovers either leads to direct points for the other team or perfect field position or whatever. So I think whoever wins the turnover margin is probably going to win the game. And your point about Sam Hartman, he has – he has he has really thrown some picks in the last couple games, and he hadn't done that all year. So that's something that the Clemson defense is looking at and thinking they can take advantage of. And then my other kind of mini key is DJ's health. I just I I don't really know how he's going to feel, what he's going to look like. And I know that he was able to run around a little bit at Louisville after he was hurt. But Mac, you and I both know that's an adrenaline situation. You're able to to play through exactly. it, put that brace on it. You're hyped up. You know your team needs you. You play through it. Then you're rehabbing and you're you're working through it the next couple of weeks. It can be different. So I'm really intrigued. Yeah. Yes, it hurts. It, hurts. it doesn't feel good. So <laughs> we'll see with DJ's health. And, and I think that mobility is, is a big-time key too, KG, is, okay, does Wake look at that and send extra pressure, maybe more than they normally do, just knowing that, okay, we've got a banged-up offensive line, we've got a banged-up quarterback, Let's let's heat him up. Let's see if he can make these decisions quickly. And and if he can't, if you get them in these adverse situations, you got to feel good about your chances. And a defense in Wake Forest that loves to take away the football. So this game is going to be fascinating to see how it ends up playing. We out. will make our official picks in our seaside grown fresh picks of the week later on in the episode. Let's get to another game here in our big three, Mac. And this one could decide the coastal. Virginia at number 18, Pittsburgh, 330 on ESPN2. Pittsburgh is a 14-point favorite. That's a lot of points. What that is telling me is perhaps Vegas 
has some inclination that Brendan Armstrong is not going to play. This game is just, it's so different if Brendan Armstrong plays. I felt like without Brennan against Notre Dame, Virginia just on it, like kind of forfeited. Like they just, they couldn't do anything. So it's going to be very different if he doesn't play or if he does. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. And, and the line has moved a little bit. It's to 14 and a half. It's interesting these lines moving late, this late in the week. Um, but I, I think you're right. I, I think there is going to be that notion that Brennan's not going to play and, and that he's just, he's too banged up. Not that he doesn't want to. Not that he's probably not fighting tooth and nail to play, uh, but just that, guys, a rib at the quarterback position, at any position, honestly, in football, I mean, you, every time you move, you're going to feel that. Your breath is probably going to be taken away. Oh, by the way, Brennan, uh, go play Pittsburgh this week, who's third in the country in sacks, who is going to hit you time and time again. So it, it's going to be a very difficult situation. And if Brennan doesn't play, you know, what, what does this team do? I thought we'd see a little bit more creativity having two weeks to prepare from UVA, just the quarterback position, maybe a little bit more wildcat. But, you know, they went with their guy, and it, they just couldn't really do anything, couldn't move the ball. And, and there's no question that Brennan is, you know, QB1 and, and that he is the heart and soul of this offense. I think it's something like 74% of his team's production offensively. So they rely on him very heavily. And then the defense for Virginia – Good luck. I mean, this is going to be another massive test for you and that I don't think you know, you're going to be able to pass just because of what Pittsburgh does and, and that the fact that they have become pretty balanced and that you know, Abanacanda has been a fantastic running option for them. But at the end of the day, this game is going to be all about Kenny Pickett and throwing the ball all over the yard. He's 163 yards away for the single-season record for Pittsburgh. Jordan Addison having an unbelievable season. Lucas Kroll having an unbelievable season. So th- this is going to be a fun game. It is for the Coastal. If Pitt wins this thing, they're going to Charlotte. They, they lock it up and, and secure you know their spot here. So I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see Kenny continue to grow, getting a ton of love from a bunch of different people, finally getting the national respect that he deserves. Uh, Kelly, I was showing you the other day, Jordan Reed, uh, new to the ESPN family. Jordan, super excited to have you uh, join ESPN. He just released his first ESPN mock. And he had Kenny Pickett, uh, the second quarterback taken in the first round. Mm. So I, I don't think there's any. Who was first? Matt Corral, which I'm just not buying. Interesting. Dude has Interesting. 17 touchdowns. Kenny has doubled that. Like, let's let's be real. Um, I, I think Kenny has a really, really good shot of being the first QB taken. The, the pre-draft process, which, guys, we're going to cover extensively uh, now that we've moved full football. Oh, Cannot yeah. wait to talk about the Senior Bowl, the Combine. Uh, pro days, and then ultimately leading up to the NFL draft. I, I I need to bet it, to be honest. I'm not a degenerate, but I need to bet this. You do. I think Kenny's going to be the first quarterback taken. Wow. And what what a statement that makes about coming back. And I think, yes. Mac, I think yeah. you are going to see some of these other ACC quarterbacks. Maybe Sam Howell is looking at Pickett and thinking, okay, because he said he hasn't made his decision yet, but he will walk on senior day, so that's interesting. Uh, Phil Dracovic, we think he's going to come back. We'll see. Brendan Armstrong. A lot of these guys who maybe could make that move, you see what happened with Kenny Pickett, and you're thinking, all right. I mean, if I get another full offseason and I can completely master this offense, I can make myself life-changing money. Yes, I mean, that's exactly. life-changing money. Yeah, so and, and there, there hasn't been an example like that. I mean, no, maybe Joe, really. Joe Burrow. Maybe Joe Burrow, if you, if you want to. Yeah, but he really had no choice to come back. I agree. I totally agree. So there, there hasn't really been like this. It's been, in years past, leave as soon as you can. If you got a chance, get out. Yeah. Go. And now you're seeing a guy like Kenny Pickett who, I mean, 
like I said, if, if he goes top five, I think we see it a ton all over the place. People decide to come back. So it's going to be really interesting to see. 163 yards away from the single season record at Pittsburgh. So keep an eye on that in this game. And we should give some love to Jordan Addison. It, it takes two, right? And Jordan Addison has been balling over a thousand yards about to already. Belt out in song right there. Yeah. But I, I stopped myself. What is that? Grease? Great flick. Great movie. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Thousand yards, 11 touchdowns. So he has been balling. And I mean, there's other great weapons on that team too. Lucas Kroll still, still freaking out, still screaming at people <laughs> after the UNC game. It's been really fun to watch this Pittsburgh offense. And well, we'll get to our picks. We'll get to our picks, but I, I'm really leaning a certain way, perhaps with the Vegas number on this game. <laughs> I think it would be silly not to, to be honest. But when you're looking at the keys of the game, KG, for me with Pitt, it's super simple. Just be who you are. Just be Pittsburgh. Like, like don't you just had a, a good game, a hard fought game. Don't have that, you know, relapse. Don't have that, oh my gosh, we we go back to to playing silly football and somehow lose this football game. We we see the Tennessee game, lose to Western Michigan. You have a huge win against Clemson. You lose the next week to Miami. So it's been very interesting to see coming off of a big win, a hard-fought win against UNC, mm-hmm. how are we going to play? You know, listening to Kenny Pickett earlier this week, Packer and Durham, he said, listen, we're, we're focused. We're locked in. We understand what's at, at stake here. I hope that's the case because you don't, you don't want to see something silly. And then for UVA, also very simple. Two very simple keys here with this game. Uh, Brennan's health. Ultimately, that, that's going to decide this game. I mean, if, if he plays, you've got a shot. If he doesn't, it might be a 30-plus dub. So it's going to be interesting to see. Well, you have Brennan's health, and then you have Pitt actually has had longer to prepare because they played a Thursday night game. So they've had more time. My key is just to see Pitt put together two halves. I thought against North Carolina they had a great first half, and then they just kind of disappeared in the second half. So even if they're up big, I think it would be good to see Pitt put together two really good halves. That's absolutely right, KG. Okay, so we mentioned how this is like a playoff and and how this, you know, really these two games that we just covered really, really matter. I've had a ton of questions about this. How can X team clinch? Well, I want to lay that out for you guys. This weekend is huge. So in the Atlantic Division for Wake Forest, they need to defeat Clemson or Boston College. You just have to win one more game for the rest of your season and you're in. If you win against Clemson this weekend, it's over. You've clinched. If you don't, you have one more shot, and you have to beat BC the following weekend. For NC State, you have to defeat Syracuse, and you have to defeat North Carolina at the end of the season. Plus, Wake Forest has to lose twice. So a little bit difficult there. Uh, This is where it gets very difficult. If you're Clemson, you have to beat Wake Forest, and Wake Forest has to lose to Boston College. So they have to finish the season 0-2. And then NC State has to lose to Syracuse or North Carolina. So if you're Clemson, you have to rely on a bunch of other people. If you're NC State, you have to rely on one other person. If you're Wake, you have to rely on yourself, which is always a great place to be in. Now let's go to the Coastal because it's not wrapped up there either. There's still some crazy chances here. For Pittsburgh, all you have to do is win this weekend, and you're in. You're done. Virginia, you have to beat Pitt, and then you have to beat your rival, at the end of the year, Virginia Tech. Listen to how crazy this is, guys. Virginia Tech is still in this race. They have to beat Miami. They have to beat Virginia. And Pitt has to lose to Virginia and Syracuse. So it's a off chance. It's the hardest of all of these that I just mentioned. But statistically, there is still a way that Virginia Tech 
and Clemson can be playing in the ACC championship with a fired coach, by the way. <laughs> I love it, Mac. Yeah, well, okay, speaking of that, that leads us right into this Virginia Tech-Miami game, which is the third game of our big three. Both teams are 5-5, five and five, so someone is going to become bowl eligible in this game. 7.30 on ACC Network, Miami's a 7.5-point favorite. I've seen it up to 8 now, I believe. Let's start with this. Miami just parted ways with its AD, Blake James, but Manny Diaz is still there. Virginia Tech has officially parted ways with head coach Justin Fuente. Overall, Mac, your thoughts on on both of these um, partings? We'll put it that way. Yeah, um, it, it's tough. Anytime that you're changing in, in uh, administrative leadership, it's tough because then everybody else under him is thinking, is my job safe? Am I next? You know, is a new guy you know, or gal, excuse me, going to come in here and That's you know, right. clean house. That's Yeah, absolutely. Um, are, are they just going to clean house and, and want to have their coaches? Uh, do, do you see that as a new opportunity to when the the new AD is hired to snuggle up and, and to become big-time friends and say, <laughs> hey, hey, look, buddy, don't, don't get rid of me. We're, we're going to be great pals here. Uh, so for Miami, going to be a very interesting situation, um, who they go with, what direction they want to go. That's an interesting situation that you're walking into as an AD because it's a small school, it's a private school, it's a school that doesn't like to spend money, and it is a school that is very much so more interested in their academic prowess than their athletic success. So it's going to be really tough to see what direction Miami goes there. And then for for Virginia Tech, I mean, we've been talking about it on this podcast, kind of hinting, picking, and, and walking around the circle for a couple of weeks now. I mean, writing was on the wall. The timing is a little interesting to me. Um, you know, just because you could finish your season, everybody can can you know win a couple games, maybe. But well, I read that they they offered to allow him to finish the season, and he said no. I'm breaking out. breaking news. So it was his decision. So it's no longer interesting to me. That kind of sums up his his entire lack of interest in my eyes at Virginia Tech. So. Good for them making that decision and moving forward. Going to be very interesting to see where they go with that. Um, I put out an initial list and I did not, I didn't add Billy Napier to this list because I thought it was surefire that he was going to be taking a big swing at LSU. I was notified by many. Now take this with a grain of salt and understand where it's coming from, Virginia Tech fans. I was notified by them that LSU wants no part of Billy Napier. That that they want a big name. They want to make a splash. And LSU, if you're listening, I think that's the dumbest decision you can ever make. Um, I think Billy Napier has been holding off for LSU, but I think he's starting to see the writing on the wall. LSU, like that that move is is too smart for LSU. <laughs> like they need to hire someone that is a huge name that has been a Power 5 head coach. I, I completely agree. So I think he's definitely in the mix for VT. Yeah, so, so I've also heard other things that that he has been offered the job, and it's his to to turn mm-hmm. down at Virginia Tech. So, Billy, if you're listening, would love to have you, brother. Would love to have you back in the ACC. I love everything about Coach Napier. I had the the privilege to actually call their game um, a year ago when they were playing Coastal Carolina KG. And you know what's so interesting about that? I was getting Beamer vibes from him mm. way long and before any of this was even in in the thought process because of his emphasis on special teams, his emphasis in in just the the roles of everybody, that everybody's role is just so important. And when I was listening to him talk about all this, I was like, am I talking to Frank Beamer right now? <laughs> it, it was crazy. So now that this is a possibility, I think that fit would be unbelievable. Guys, some other names that I've heard floating around from, you know, tech fans and tech insiders on the message boards. Uh, Marcus Freeman, DC from Notre Dame, Charles Huff, head coach at Marshall, 
Shane Beamer is like 50-50 right now. You either hate him or you love him if you're a Virginia Tech fan. And then Jamie Chadwell. Don't know why that name isn't getting more love. I, I think that could be a really, really fun opportunity, just the offense that he runs, the style that he has. But that's it for my coaching roundup here, Kelly. Let's get to the mm-hmm. game. Let's talk about some game here. Let's talk about the game. It's it's going to be fascinating to see what Virginia Tech does. We will keep an eye on that. I, this game is so interesting because I feel like I've fallen into the trap this year where when a coach is fired, you fade that team. But actually, like TCU, for example, they beat Baylor after Gary Patterson was fired. A lot of times teams rally, and they rally under the interim. So I think this game is going to be close. I don't think Virginia Tech's just going to go out there and, and lay down or anything. And if Miami turns the ball over 17 times and has 42 penalties like they did against Florida State, then this game's going to be very close. <laughs> I agree with you. I think it's going to be uh, – I think this game's going to be really close. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be exciting. I think there's going to be a ton of emotion on both sides because if you're Miami, surely you are thinking that you're playing for your coach and playing for him to not be fired and to stay a part of this program. And you know, I, I think Manny's safe. I think that he can sell the heck out of the future – and what this team could be, especially next year, but other people aren't so sure. And, and so, just as you said, KG, when you look at a team playing with their coach fired, are they going to galvanize very quickly, come together, play inspired football, or are they going to check out and, and kind of, woe is me, why is this happening to our team, I don't want to be here, type mentality. I think both of these teams play extremely inspired and really get after it. I think so too. And we know Tyler Van Dyke, even though he's made some mistakes he has thrown for 300 or more yards in four straight games. So he is balling, but this Virginia Tech pass defense is very solid. So I love this matchup. You've got some older seasoned dudes in that Virginia Tech right. secondary <laughs> against this young gun for Miami. Yeah, and I mean, listen to these numbers. Sam Howell, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, only threw for 200. Kenny Pickett, we think the best quarterback in the country, only threw for 203. Something's got to yep. give here. Is TVD going to be able to kind of break this or – you know, is, is this lockdown Virginia Tech defense really going to stand up? And Kelly, when I look at the keys for this game and, I, and I'm thinking of, okay, how can X team win? For Miami, it's really just have balance. I, I feel like, as we just said, you're, you're probably not going to be able to throw it all over the yard. So if you're able to complement that with some run game and to really be able to move the ball effectively running it, can the air raid open up a little bit? Can the passing windows open up? And if you have that balance... I think you've got a really good shot here. And then for Virginia Tech, it's what we just talked about as well. These keys are very uh, synchronized here. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to limit the Canes through the air. I mean, that's what they want to do. That's who TVD is. You have to take away the ball, and you have to knock it down when, when you can and really just limit their production there. Miami has to play cleaner, too. You can't have – I believe the first quarter it was three turnovers and seven penalties against Florida State. You've got to have a better start. And then I, I really think – Virginia Tech is going to play inspired football. I think so. So we'll see what happens there. All right, time to make some picks, Mac. Come on, KG. Before we get to the speed round, you're right. We have to make some Seaside Grown fresh picks of the week. Seaside Grown comes from a rich 120-year history of family-owned sustainable farming in South Carolina's low country. Start your tailgate off right with Seaside's Bloody Mary Mix. Each jar of their award-winning Bloody Mary Mix is packed with two pounds, of the family's fresh-grown tomatoes. I made chili with that mix. Uh, Stop me if you've heard this before. And it was truly so good. So I I think that would be a great 
thing for your tailgate this weekend. Also, the other night, I was marinating some chicken for Nick and I to have for dinner, and I baked it in the oven, and I marinated it with the smoke and blue barbecue sauce, and it was so good, Mac. Delicious. Hold on. You got to dive in. You got to dive into this. How how did you... uh, how did how did you like it? Because it has it this great. subtle like yeah. kick, yes. but then it's sweet. It's kind of like a sour patch, right? It's yeah. like sour yeah, yeah, and yeah. sweet, but this is like a little bit of a little bit of heat, a, a little, little bit, bit of spice. spice. When you smell sweet, it, right? like you open the cap and smell it, it smells sweet. So it was really perfect. I actually put it on a salad. Like we made the chicken, I put it on a salad, and it was so good. Highly recommend. Come on, oh. I'm I'm just over here daydreaming <laughs> about the the peach bourbon and the smoking blue barbecue sauces, guys. They're so good, and that's what's so fun about you know partnering with Seaside Grown. They have 19 true field to glass Seaside Grown products, and it's just there's so many different ways you can use them. There's so many different ways that you can take this this naturally you know organic grown product that we know exactly where it comes from. One of my favorite things about Seaside is the traceability, the fact that they can get it down to an acre, to the plot. It's it's grandpa's plot back in the back. They know exactly where that tomato came from or, or that blueberry or that peach. And it, it's just, it's something that, you know, you, you can't really get from others. And then the other really fun part is that Seaside has their own commercial packing facility, guys, right there with their farm. So by doing this, they continue to provide that unprecedented traceability, knowing exactly where the food comes and then exactly where the bottles come from. Guys, do yourself a favor. Go to SeasideGrown.com, browse their amazing products, and when you've loaded up on your cart, you're ready to check out, use our code ACC15 to save 15% on your entire order. And, guys, a little little fairy, a little birdie told me there are some really fun Christmas gifts coming that you can buy on SeasideGrown.com. Go check it out. They've got a lot of cool stuff kind of in the works, if you will, KG. I love it. ACC 15 for 15% off. Okay, Mac, let's pick some college football games. Give me your straight up pick and then a play on one of these numbers if you have it. I'm going to use, I believe each of these have gone up half a point. Virginia Tech at Miami. Miami is an eight-point favorite. Over-unders at 55 and a half. Mm, This one's going to be interesting, guys. I think, as we just mentioned, both of these teams play inspired. Both of these teams play their tails off for their respective universities, for coaches, for all that. I think Miami wins. I think Virginia Tech covers. And I think it's over. I think this is going to be a great game. I think it's going to be much CTV back and forth all night long. Mac, I I agree with you for the most part. I think Virginia Tech covers. And uh, because this is the ACC, because it's the Coastal, because I think Virginia Tech is coming off of a Duke win where they were able to build some confidence, and because I think they're going to rally, I'm actually taking the Hokies to win this game. I think this is a classic Coastal chaos situation. And I don't trust Miami right now. And I really don't trust TVD against this very experienced secondary. So give me the Hokies. I love that. Did you say over-under? Did I miss that? What are you thinking on the oh, points there? I, I would say probably the under there. Really? Okay. So yeah. it's a little bit of a struggle. I think it's going to be hideous. A struggle. I think it's going to be a hideous game. So we and are on very opposite sides. Yeah, we, we are on very opposite sides of this this uh, ballpark here. I, as an offensive guy, think it's going to be a lot of points, but I understand. <laughs> All right. Our next game here, Virginia at Pittsburgh to possibly decide the coastal Pittsburgh, I believe now is a 14 and a half point favorite. So with the fact that I I'm just leaning towards the side that Brennan is not going to play. I think he might be done for the year and I have no inside info. I do not know if this is true. 
That's just where I'm leaning and how I think this game's going to go. I think Pitt covers. I think Pitt probably gets close to the over. I think this offense is going to be try to be playing inspired, really hitting on all cylinders. I think Pitt handles business and gets the big dub today. Agree 100%. If, if there's one spread you take this week, first of all, the first one is fade Duke, always fade Duke. Um, but the second one is Pitt, minus 14.5. I completely agree. I think the Panthers roll. Final game, the big one here, Mac. Number 10 Wake Forest at Clemson. Clemson is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. What are your thoughts? KG, I'm going to play the gentleman card here, and I'm saying ladies first. I want to hear your thoughts on this game. I'm taking Wake Forest. I'm taking the better team. I'm taking the team that has scored 35 or more in every single game, and I think even if Clemson limits them, if Wake scores 27, if Wake scores 24, I'm, I'm really struggling to believe in this offense that doesn't have Justin Ross, DJ has a hurt PCL. The O-line is being held together by duct tape. I think Wake – I think it's going to be close, and I think Clemson's defense – It might be better if it was held together with duct yeah, tape, if yeah. we're being honest. I think Clemson's defense will limit Wake, but I think Wake um, still finds a way. So, obviously, I'm also taking Wake plus four and a half. Good. I, I knew someone could bring true analysis to this show, so I wanted you to go first. Um, I am wearing my orange goggles right now. <laughs> I am going full homer mode. I think Clemson does this. I think the Clemson defense shuts down Wake Forest like we have not seen all year. When, when I look at this season and I look at how much history has mattered, I look at how much historically things that happen are still happening this year, Wake, for whatever reason, cannot functionally move the ball against Clemson. I don't think that changes Saturday. I think this defense stands up really big, really tall, and I'm thinking like a, a 20 game, and the Tigers win. So I'm taking Clemson outright, and I'm taking the under KG. Big-time orange goggles on right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this game might be hideous as well. Uh, I feel like a lot of Twitter followers are going to be happy with you and not happy with me. There have been some people, specifically, Mac, think about this, specifically some older ladies on Twitter that have just been reaming me out lately, like to have been just mad. You probably deserved it. You probably one, deserved one lady, it. One lady told me to go to, apolo- to go apologize to the entire wow. Clemson team. Did you Did you do that? So I, okay. I did not. When I called the Florida State win, embarrassing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I, I'm sorry, listen, everyone. I get it. I'm sorry. I get it. It's just KG, what I think. We still have a couple of games to talk about. Let's get to the speed round and really fly through this. I want to get your thoughts here on Syracuse. At number 20, NC State, 4 o'clock, ACC Network. I think NC State wins this game, but I'm not sure they cover here. I think this is a classic NC State situation where, you know, they've they've lost two now in ACC play. They need a miracle to get back in there. They need Wake to lose out, which probably is not going to happen. So I need to see a mature response from this NC State team where they handle their business. And we did see that against Louisville. I actually picked Louisville to win that game, and State said, no, 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 we're going to handle it. So I think State takes good care of the ball. I think they um, are able to just – Devin Leary is able to, in a very – I mean, this in a positive way, manage the game. And I think NC State wins. And it was really discouraging to see Syracuse's rushing offense just shut down against Louisville. And State has a better defense. So it feels like teams are figuring out Syracuse a little bit. But Syracuse is the more desperate team. They need this game because they're probably not going to beat Pittsburgh, and they need to find a way to win one more. But I still think NC State wins it. I agree with you. Sean Tucker only 11 yards away from the single-season 
rushing record there at Syracuse. I think he gets that done probably on the first carry uh, that, that he gets of the day. Devin Leary, only five touchdowns away uh, from the NC State single-season passing record. He, if he does that, could be today, could be next week. Uh, he will break Phillip Rivers' record uh, of 34, which was set back in 2003, 2004. So a pretty nice standing record there. So going to be fun to watch that one. How about Florida State at Boston College, guys? Noon, ACC Network. Our guy, Phil Dracovic, is back. He had five total touchdowns, threw for over 300, rushed for over 70. Just really an instrumental piece of this offense that they look so much different. And then for FSU, you've got Jordan Travis coming off of his best day of the of the season so far, throwing for right under 70%, 270 yards, a couple of TDs on the ground. So this game is going to be really intriguing offensively. The one matchup, KG, that I cannot wait to watch is Jermaine Johnson, who went nuts last week, had three sacks, is second nationally with 11 sacks on the year, going against this fantastic BC offensive line. I know everybody loves skill players, but watch that line of scrimmage all game long. And the BC defense has been balling. They have looked really, really good. So th- this is a tough one because I think Florida State, you know, coming off the Miami win, that's a big win for them. They're still the more desperate team. They have to win out to make a bowl. They got to be BC and they got to be Florida. Florida is an actual raging dumpster fire. So I think that's becoming much more of a reality. This game might feel different if Florida was 10 and 1 and FSU knew they probably weren't going to beat Florida. But now FSU has hope. But it just feels like Florida State, in recent years, they have not played well up in Chestnut Hill. This is a noon game, which generally favors the away team. But with the way BC's playing and the way Djurkovic and and the balance they have, which he talked about on our pod, I give the edge to BC. I still feel like FSU could make this very uncomfortable, though. No, I'm I'm going BC, too. I think they win. I think Phil is that good of a player, that different uh, difference maker that really just when, when he's on the field, I think Boston College feels like, they can beat anybody. All right, KG, let's go over to NBC, the Notre Dame Network. Georgia Tech will be traveling up to South Bend, 2.30, NBC. Notre Dame is like a billion-point favorite in this game. Well, what, are you th- what are you thinking? What are you feeling here? Well, this is the opposite of FSU, right? Because Georgia Tech has Notre Dame and Georgia mm. left. Mm, mm, like, you mm. got to finish with two top 10 teams. I just – I really wonder about the psyche and, and the mental state of that team right now. And Notre Dame's feeling really good. I think it's going to be very similar to that Virginia game. Just run the ball, handle your business. And Notre Dame's at a point now where they're trying to get in the playoff discussion, and they have two really silly games left with Georgia Tech and Stanford. They've got to impress. So I think that's on Notre Dame's minds. Listen, you talk about style points for Cincinnati. You talk about style points that they need. Notre Dame needs style points. And they've got a great opportunity here. Uh, Really, the last three games of the season, going back to Virginia a week ago, to really impress and to show that they are a different team since the start of the season. I don't think there's any question of that. And our guy, Kyron Williams, he was just left off the Doak Walker Award semifinalist. I bet mm. he's playing inspired football and wants to say, all right, y'all, I'm going to remind you just who I am. Really expect to see that. And then our last game, uh, kind of a, a, a JV scrimmage, if you will, as North Carolina welcomes one and nine Walford. We, we love the Terriers right there in the upstate of South Carolina. Uh, but not having the greatest of seasons. One thing to, to pay attention to this game for North Carolina, uh, I do not think Sam Howe plays. You know, he's a little bit banged up from the pit game. I don't expect to see him play a down in this game. And so with that, we might get a glimpse of the future. And we not might, we we will if he does not play. So much anticipation of who's going to be leading the heels into 22. 
I hope and pray we get a sample of Drake May, who has yet to throw a pass this year. How there's a five-star quarterback on this roster that has not thrown a pass makes no sense to me. But you know, I, I expect to see him, and you know, it's going to be fun to see what what the heels have in him moving forward if Sam decides to lead this year. I was going to say, Mac, it could be Sam Howell leading UNC into 2022. You never know. The mystery continues. Guys, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. Some really great games this weekend. Thanksgiving's next week. It's going to be a really, really fun time, guys. Cannot wait. But until next time, we'll see you.